I met Georgia when we were both at uni and she would always come into my work and people would think that we were siblings and we were really obsessed with that. Um, but she works as a TV producer at an ad agency in Richmond and is an amazing photographer. So you should all hire her. <laughs> Thank you, Georgia. Um, so I'm just going to nominate my housemate Katrina as Waterboy for the next ten minutes because my mouth is extremely dry. And um, just, Katrina, please have that ready when I need it. Um, also, Claude, thank you for um, scheduling me directly after a professional comedian. So <laughs> feeling really good about the start that we're off to. Um, so tonight's theme is reach, a word that applies a lot in the following story. The idea of taking that leap of faith and reaching out has played out for my family in many weird and wonderful ways and has gotten me here on this stage telling my story. Let me recount the steps for you. My name is Georgia and I come from a queer family. So queer, in fact, that my mum jokes that my straightness is just a phase and that I will one day grow out of it. <laughs> I have to admit, some days I actually think she might be right. I have two mums and a sibling who is non-binary named Romy. We came from different donors, but that was never a topic of conversation in our house growing up. My mums aren't together anymore, but that never meant that our separate households were ever full of anything but love, laughter, and a lot of crying. Both happy and sad, of course. Also, a fair few stepmums over the years. So for most of my childhood, I had a various mix of four amazing women taking turns looking after Romy and I. I love my two mums, and for me personally, the topic of who dad is only came up a number of times. It wasn't something I ever lost sleep over or really cared about. Always having wanted children, but having had no access to or avenue to such possibilities, my parents were resigned to the likelihood of never having kids. Until one day in the early 90s, my mum, Adele, who's sitting right there, <laughs> was reading an article in a women's magazine about how this lesbian couple had been able to conceive through IVF with the help of a doctor in Sydney. It was newsworthy in this magazine. At this stage, he was the only doctor offering this service to, quote, unmarried women in Australia, as only married women could technically receive this treatment at the time. It's the early 90s. Dell took the first leap of faith in the story and reached out to the magazine, who put her in touch with a journalist, who gave her the doctor's details, filled out some forms, and soon after, my parents were on a flight to Sydney to meet my maker. It took 13 of these trips once a month for my mum to eventually fall pregnant with me. IVF was only about $50 a go back then, so luckily for them, they could keep trying until it worked. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, two years later, my sibling Romy was born with the same doctor, but different donor. My parents flew that rainbow flag. They appeared with infant me on the cover of Gay Women's Magazine, and many lesbians have since told them that seeing them have me opened up the possibility of having kids to them, which is pretty amazing. Fast forward 25 years, it's 2018, and my best friend Case decides to give me one of those DNA ancestry tests for my birthday. Her intention at the time was that she thought it would be nice for me to see my heritage, where my ancestors come from. Looking at me, it was likely only ever going to be somewhere in northwestern Europe, but I was very intrigued nonetheless. The present sat on my desk for a couple of weeks, never getting around to spitting in that tube, which is completely disgusting, by the way. Eventually, I got over myself, spat the four centimetres of saliva required, and sent it off in the mail, looking forward to finding out if I was either Scottish, British, or a fun mix of the two. <laughs> Nothing more, and definitely not understanding the brevity of what was to come. One morning, about a month later, I had an early start at work and had to be on set at 5am. I wake up, check my emails like the CEO girl boss I am, 
and have an email from Ancestry saying that my results are ready. Now, I'm assuming you're all on the edge of your seat, so I will go ahead and put you out of your misery. It turns out I'm half Scottish. <laughs> the end. No, just kidding. Uh, not about the Scottish part, though. That is actually true. Um, there were other bits of information that I hadn't considered would be there, namely a number of DNA matches of people I was seemingly related to. At the very top, three of what the website called first cousins. Half asleep in the Uber to work, I took the next leap of faith, reaching out and sending them all the same completely unhinged message without really thinking about it. And I'll, I'll recount it for you word for word. Hello, exclamation mark. My friend bought this test for me just to see what my heritage was. But as it turns out, we are first cousins, dot, dot, exclamation mark. The weird thing is, is that I was born through IVF through an anonymous donor who lives in Sydney. This may be really strange for you, and it's pretty strange for me, but maybe one of your family members is him, dot, dot, question mark. Anyway, how are you, question mark. I don't really know how to go about this, ha, ha. I'm 25 and I live in Melbourne, ha, ha. Have a nice day, Georgia. The ha-ha is clearly trying to soften the blow of this potentially life-changing news. As I said, completely unhinged. Message sent to all three, heart racing at this point. Check back an hour, later or, an hour or so later and two have replied. Hi, Georgia. Do you see Nat and Zach as close family matches to you? They're my half-brothers through IVF and yours. We were all born in 93 to 94, conceived at so-and-so clinic in St. George. Okay, how does this girl know so much about me? <laughs> I know it says first cousins, but we're actually half-siblings. Welcome to our half-family, winky face. By the way, I found out who our donor was a few months ago. He sent a photo and answered a few questions, though we haven't spoken much. Jack, Lynn, Jacqueline, she's a girl, but I'll call her Jack for the rest of the story. Um, and then the next one. Hi, Georgia, my name's Zach. I also live in Melbourne, but I was born in Sydney through anonymous sperm donation as well to two mums. Welcome to the extended family. Ha ha, we're definitely related. <laughs> I bet this is a bit of a surreal experience for you, having three half-siblings sprung on you at once. If you're interested in catching up for a coffee, I am too. I live in Preston. Have a great day, Zach. Mind you, I was in Preston at the time, and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, as it turns out, half-siblings and first cousins share the same amount of DNA, so thanks so much for the heads-up ancestry. <laughs> that night, the three of them added me on Facebook, and we're in a group chat talking, and I'm asking them all about their childhoods, families, and what they do for a living. The boys tell me they work in music. Jacqueline says she's a public servant in Canberra, to which Nat replies, she's a spy. <laughs> Jacqueline says, I'm not a spy. I just can't disclose what it is I actually do. Which to me sounds exactly like what a spy would say in response to that question, but that's neither here nor there. Apparently it's a lot of spreadsheets, she says. The unconfirmed spy claim will come up later in the story. From, actually, I need it, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just, I felt the dry, it just came on. <laughs> Um, what a girl, should I say? Uh, what a person, probably is better. Um, from there, all these crazy coincidences start happening. It was an extremely, extremely surreal time. That weekend, Nat just happened to be driving down from Sydney for a gig, and him and Zach invited me to come along to their catch-up, happening at a cafe just down the road from where I was living. Arriving there was possibly one of the most bizarre experiences of my life. Of my life. Zach and I share the most DNA of the group, and arriving there, this was extremely evident. He was stunned, as was I, sitting across the table from one another. We just kind of sat and stared at each other for a bit, wide-eyed at the prospect of looking so akin to someone you didn't know existed a few days earlier. All we could manage for the first five minutes was, wow, okay, and yep. 
The three of us spoke about what it was like not having a dad growing up and how none of us ever really felt like there was anything missing from our lives and that we were also lucky to have parents who wanted us so badly. The coincidences continued from there. I ran into Zach a couple of days later at a supermarket where I was seeing a movie next door, upstairs at the Nova, shout out, um, with my sibling Romy to tell them my news. Before I was able to get this out, I heard Georgia from across the room, from across the self-serve registers, and there he was, not wanting to break the news to Romy by showing them my male twin and saying, surprise! I quickly sent them to the popcorn aisle, ran over to Zach to say a quick hello to him and meet his girlfriend, who was like, whoa, and sent them on their way. More coincidences, coincidences, yeah. The two boys grew up in the same town in New South Wales, 900 k's from the clinic, running in the same circles, going to each other's gigs. Zach and I hung out at similar pubs and spaces once he'd moved to Melbourne. It was all just very, very spooky. The strangest coincidence of all was that a couple of weeks later, inside the TV show on SBS, we're doing an episode on, episode? <laughs> we're doing an episode on DNA tests. Namely the question, have you ever done a DNA test and been shocked or surprised by the result? Yet again, another leap of faith. I checked in with the sibling group chat, fondly named The Clone Club, who all agreed we should reach out to the producer on the show to tell our story. A number of phone chats and emails later, all four of us were flown to Sydney to record the show, another totally surreal experience. This is all in the space of about a month, by the way. After the show, the four of us head to the pub and exchange more stories about our lives, and I asked Jacqueline a million and one questions on how she found out the details of our donor. Now, I am almost certain only a spy could go to the level of espionage required to find out who this man was. Spy status 100% confirmed, if you ask me. I pretty much immediately forgot the process once she told me, as it was so complex, but it was amazing, and I was so thankful to her that she'd put in all these hours of work to find this extra piece of our puzzle. Before I did my test and found the gang, there had been an email exchange between the donor and her, Jack sending across general questions about his interests and hobbies and info on the three of them, and sending photos of himself at our age to compare looks and some family health details we otherwise wouldn't have had. He asked communication to be kept solely between her and him in the event of someone else coming along and wanting to get in touch. Knowing this, in this case, I decided it would be best not to reach out. Sure, if he were interested, it would be cool to get a coffee and just interact with the man for half an hour and put the whole nature versus nurture debate to the test, but it's not something that I really need or really even want. I must admit, it was pretty crazy to see a photo of him at my age and put a face to the idea of this phantom man that I've been having in the back of my mind for the last 28 years, 25 at the time. I have since met Zach's two mums on a trip they took down to Melbourne. My parents came too, and they exchanged 25-year-old stories about the IVF process, the doctors, the doctor, specific doctor, and their general experiences of being rainbow families during that time. When I arrived, all Zach's mum could do was stare at me in the same way Zach and I had stared at each other a few months earlier. All she could manage for the first five minutes, though, was fuck, <laughs> over and over again. The fruit of this story is not in finding out who my donor is, but in the newfound friendships I have with my little clone club, especially Zach, who I see for catch-ups and to support his amazing band, Jothi. Shout out, by the way. It's spelled J-O-T-H-I. You should all look them up. They're amazing. I can only speak from personal experience, but there's something in the idea of being the opposite of a mistake, about being so, so wanted that your parents fought tooth and nail to have a child, travelling across the country every few weeks for an entire year to have you. I think that when you were born into a home that so desperately wants that, even with an anonymous donor, for me, personally, feeling like there was something missing was never a likely outcome. 
I've been told that the limit on donations at the time in New South Wales was 10 children. We know he reached a limit because both mine and Zach's parents weren't able to access the same sperm for their next pregnancy attempts. We're four now, so there are potentially up to six more out there. We are excited for the next sibling to randomly do a DNA test and find us all. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll send or she'll send the same exact unhinged message at 5 a.m. But for now, I'm just sure to ask the following question when on a first date with someone. Do you know who your dad is? <laughs> That's it. <laughs>